are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. I'm going to start off the show by talking about Tori Lovello and is he on the hot seat for the 2021 season? Uh, Scott Cullen is going to come on for this second segment where we talk about fantasy draft strategy. Then we're going to wrap up the pod by talking to Zach Buchanan of The Athletic. Uh, What does Kevin Ginkle have to do in 2021 to improve himself because he had a pretty poor 2020 season so it's a lot to talk about today but first if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44 your company should be sponsoring this podcast locked on diamondbacks is a listen to by 98 men and 80 percent between the ages of 18 and 44 so if you want men in that age range this is your spot plus i rate to the most reasonable around email me at locked at gmail.com to find out more now let's jump right into the conversation. Talk about Tori Lovello and if he's on the hot seat for 2021 because, listen, I don't like to call out anybody's job. I don't want to get anybody fired, but it is a question that has to be discussed because Tori Lovello is in the last year of his contract. And if we're being honest, it's not like it's been an amazing tenure under Tori Lovello. I think he's been a pretty good manager for the D-backs, but it hasn't been that fruitful. It's not all on Toy Lovello. 2020, of course, was a pretty weird year. 2019, 2018, the, the team was competitive, but they didn't make the playoffs either season. They only made the playoffs one year under Toy Lovello. That was back in 2017, They where they won their wild card game and then got swept in the NLDS. So it's not like it's been that fruitful under Toy Lovello, but he is in the last year of his contract, and it begs the question, are the D-backs going to renew his contract at the end of the season? And here is a, uh, a quote from Derek Hall about Toy Lovello and his contract extension. He was asked the question, uh, have you had any conversation about Toy Lovello's contract? And here's how Derek Hall responded. What I like about Tory is what I've always liked about Tory, and that is he's as good and decent a person as there is. He's a very honest communicator, motivator. The team, the players, they love playing for him. The staff is very loyal to him as well. He's fantastic, a very good manager. The other thing you have to know about Tory is he's not focused on the extension, and we haven't felt like it was something we needed to focus on. If it were something that bothered him or something that Mike Hazen or Emil Saudé thought it was troubling him or the team, we would address it. But I can tell you that at his point, we haven't even thought about it. Or I think that's supposed to say, but I can tell you at this point, we haven't even thought about it. I think there was a typo on this this transcript I'm reading, but let me continue. He hasn't thought about it. He hasn't brought it up. And that's a credit to him. He puts in as much preparation, as much pressure on himself. 
whether he has a whether he's got a five-year contract or a one-year contract. But we love Tori Lovello. And we're glad he's our manager, and we've got a lot of faith in him. So, from that quote by Derek Hall, doesn't sound like right now they're talking any discussions on either side. And if Tori Lovello is not even bringing it up to the front office, maybe he doesn't want to stay here with the D-backs. I don't know what Tori Lovello's intentions or motives are, but I thought that was pretty interesting that the two sides haven't even discussed a contract extension. Mike Hazen, you know, when he was in his last year of a deal, he got it pretty quickly. The D-backs did not want to let Mike Hazen go, and they were pretty quick to renew his contract. But Toy Lovello seems like they're going to let it play out and see what happens throughout the season. And I don't know if he'll get fired midseason. I don't think that would happen to Toy Lovello. Mike Hayes and Toy Lovello have roots going back to their days with the Red Sox. Derek Hall seems like a pretty honest man. I, I think I trust Derek Hall with what he says. So I think he does like Toy Lovello. I think he does respect Toy Lovello and he does want to keep him around. But I don't know if he's going to keep him around for the future. I think he will pay him respect by not firing him midseason like we've seen other managers, you know, happen to them. But when I was comparing Toy Lovello to managers of the past that uh, managed for the D-backs, I found some stark similarities between Toy Lovello and Kirk Gibson. Now listen to this. In Kirk Gibson's first season, the D-backs won 94 games and lost in the NLDS. In Toy Lovello's first season, the D-backs won 93 games and lost in the NLDS. Over the next two seasons for the D-backs under Kirk, under Kirk Gibson, they won 81 games both years. Under the next two seasons under Tori Lovello, they won 82 and 85 games. Then that fourth year with Kirk Gibson, the wheels basically fell off. The D-backs finished 63 and 96 and Kirk Gibson was let go. Tori Lovello in 2020, the team had their worst season yet, went 25 and 35 and no, Toy Lavelle didn't get fired, but now he's in the last year of his contract, and there's question marks whether the D-backs are going to bring him back or not. So looking at the two comparisons, Toy Lavelle is going to get one more year than Kirk Gibson, but he's basically got the same track record as Kirk Gibson, and if Kirk Gibson's track record wasn't good enough to save his job, I'm not too sure if Toy Lavelle's track record is going to be good enough to save his job. I like Toy Lavelle a lot. I think he's a pretty good manager. I don't think he's a great manager. I think he's a better communicator, like Derek Hall said. I think he's a good people person, a good player person. I think he's able to relate to the players. But in terms of X's and O's, I, I don't try to get too much into that. But I like Tori Lovello, and we'll see if he stays around past this year. But if I had to put my money on it, I don't think the D-backs are going to bring Tori Lovello back after the 2021 season. Now, the one other I want to talk about before we bring the guests on is that Luke Weaver start against the Rockies because if you guys watched that game, it was not the best Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver kind of got rocked in that game. He gave up four earned runs. He gave up three home runs in that game. But if you ask Luke Weaver what his thoughts are on that start, he would tell you it wasn't too bad. Luke Weaver, we know what kind of stuff he has with his fastball and you know his velocity pitches, but he really needs to work on the off-speed stuff. That's what we've been talking about with Luke Weaver. He has to work on that breaking ball and get working on those off-speed pitches to really take his game to the next level. And those home runs they gave up in that game were all on his fastballs. He just left it over the middle of the plate. But Luke Weaver, if you ask him about it at the start, he said, obviously the results weren't amazing, but man, 
I threw some really, really good off-speed pitches today. And that's all that really matters for Luke Weaver. It's all about the off-speed pitches. Yes, his, you know, on-speed pitches, I guess they don't call that, uh, call those pitches that. But, you know, his fastballs and things like that were, weren't working that day. But we know those things usually work in the past. We, he has a good track record of his fastball being highly effective and striking out dudes. It's been those off-speed pitches where you can't keep the batters off balance and if he's saying his off-speed pitches felt really good and he was effective with those off-speed pitches it was the fastball that got crushed in that start so I'm uh, I'm a big believer in the Luke Weaver comeback this season if he's believing in his off-speed pitches then I'm gonna believe in his off-speed pitches too because that's an area an area in his game that he's been working on it's been it's an area in his game he's been trying to improve the whole offseason and there's a reason why when Zach Buchanan was on the pod a lot of teams would have been interested in Luke Weaver because a lot of teams see him as a bounce back comeback candidate for this 2021 season and he's still so young still 25 26 years old going to be entering its prime pretty soon so we might see the best version of Luke Weaver we've ever seen entering the 2021 season now we'll ask Scott Cullen on his thoughts for draft strategy when entering your fantasy draft. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. Fantasy baseball addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen. He uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins, season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's play that conversation between Scott, Cullen, and I. But uh, last question, or one one of the last questions I have for yeah. you, Scott, is what is just your overall you know strategy when it comes to fantasy draft? I did fantasy baseball for the first time last year, and I was just pretty much lost, honestly. I was just reading the little notes on what every player had, what his stats were the previous year. And I think yeah. I have a little bit more strategy this year. I think I'm going to lean a little bit more towards starting pitching. I think that really gave me an advantage yeah. whenever I had a good starter in there. But what's your overall advantage? Uh, not advantage, but what's your strategy when you're entering a fantasy draft? Well, first to your point about starting pitching is, is that I tend to want, like, say we're in the first five or six rounds, I'd like to get two starting pitchers. Uh, and this goes to that point that I was talking about earlier is that there's such a scarcity uh, of kind of starting pitchers who are going to, you know, go deep into games and give you strikeouts and have a good ERA and a good whip. Like that it's a kind of a, a precious commodity, uh, 
And, and so if you can get at least a couple of those guys as sort of a, a foundation for your pitching staff. And then, you know, if you need to, to switch pitchers in and out further down on your roster, that, you know, that's kind of part of the fun of fantasy. You can, you can do that with, uh, without too much difficulty. Uh, but if you don't have the, the core guys at the top, you could spend your, your whole season chasing pitching. And uh, usually that doesn't work out very well now. So th- this, I guess, sort of ties into uh, positional scarcity is, is probably the, the foundation of a fantasy strategy. Um, you know, that, you know, for, you know, you go to shortstop, you can usually find plenty of talent, even if you go 10 or 12 deep at shortstop. But as we talked about at second base, you can't go 10 or 12 deep. Uh, you're going to, you're going to start running into some rather undesirable types to be uh, uh, to be starting on your fantasy team. And, and so uh, at those positions that, that don't have depth in the second base and catcher are the, are the most notable, um, you, you would place a higher premium, I guess, on the guys who are at the top. Um, and so positional scarcity is, is one issue. The other one is like category scarcity, um, because, you know, as I talked about, uh, you know, you might want Eduardo Escobar because he could hit you 25 home runs. Uh, it's a whole lot harder uh, to find somebody who can steal you 25 bases than it is to find somebody who'll hit you 25 home runs. Mm. Um, you know, like last year, nine home runs would have would have prorated to like 24, um, you know, either home runs or stolen bases. Well, there were 88 players who hit nine home runs in, in the major league. There were 15 who stole nine bases. Mm. So you you can, and you can <laughs> sort of judge that by, as you're trying to fill out your roster is, well, is this a position where I can get home runs or stolen bases. Like in most cases, you're not going to get a catcher who steals bases. First baseman isn't going to steal bases. Most third basemen don't steal bases. And so you have to start kind of whittling away at, okay, where are the opportunities uh, for me to get players who are going to steal some bases? And, you know, there was a time and you could go, I guess, 10 or 15 years ago where there would be a whole lot more options uh, available to steal bases for you. And and you could almost uh, just fall into uh, those stolen bases. And I don't think that's the case now is that uh, because of the way baseball is played and there's, there are a lot fewer uh, players trying to steal bases that the ones who can do it and do it successfully um, have, have more value in that. That's kind of scarcity is the whole thing. And one is positional scarcity and the other one is category scarcity. And those two are sort of the, uh, the biggest concerns that I have when I'm, uh, you know, doing my draft is I want to make sure that I'm addressing kind of those areas uh, so that I, I don't end up at the end of my draft going, well, I, I kind of like the players I drafted, but I don't have anybody who's going to steal bases. So uh, that that becomes a, a real challenge, I guess, when when you're trying to, to juggle all your positions and also at the same time uh, try and juggle uh, a few of the categories that are a little more difficult to get. Yeah, and I wish players stole more bases because I don't know if we'll ever get back to the day like Ricky Henderson when he was, you know, triple triple digit steals. I, I don't, you know, Billy Hamilton might be, you know, one of the last people in his era, in his generation that wants to just be a, a bag stealer. It, it just doesn't happen as much anymore. I don't know why. Well, I know why. Analytics. And I say this, I'm, I'm a super pro analytics guy, uh, but it's ruined the the aesthetic of major league baseball, right. That, that they've decided that stealing bases is such a negative and, you know, the math backs that up, but then in some ways, baseball should be trying to figure out how to, how to change the math uh, so that you can make base stealing, you know, a a bigger part of the game or uh, because like the fans enjoy that, right. Like that, which fan doesn't like watching a guy try and steal, steal a base or try and take an extra base. Like the, the, one of the, issues I guess fans have with the three true outcome of uh, style of baseball 
is that there are so few balls that are put in play where guys are running and moving on the bases. It's, Oh, we got a guy who walked onto first base and now, you know, the next few guys are swinging for the fences and, and hopefully we get a two run home run out of it. And, and the math, I guess, adds up to make that work. But what does that do for the, you know, 30,000 people who are sitting in, in the stands, you know, we're talking in a dream world here where stadiums are full again yeah, and all that. But, you know, in, in that experience, you know, the people don't want to just sit there and watch a guy walk to first base and then everybody trot around for a home run. Like they, they want to see balls in play. So they, that there's action. Right? Yeah. And, and if, if you take the, the worst criticisms of baseball of how boring it can be, well, they have ways to, to not be boring and it's, you know, make it so that stealing bases is an advantage. Like, you know, and, and I don't know how the, you know, what, what they would have to do to change the rules to make that possible, but you know, they can change rules to, you know, they, they've lowered pitching mounds and uh, uh, when, uh, when the pitchers were too dominant. So, you know, you can find ways to, uh, to, to give incentivize it, I guess. And, and certainly for, for the fans, it would be great. But uh, as you say, you know, for fantasy, it's, it's really hard to find guys who consistently steal bases, right? Like yeah. if you go back to, as you mentioned, Ricky Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, the days of, of Ricky Henderson, right? Stealing a hundred bases. No more. It, and, and well, no, we're, we're not getting there. Uh, but that was such a massive difference in fantasy. Is oh, yeah. you, you know, you draft Ricky Henderson, you, you had, you know, a hundred stolen bases right off the top. And, and even if you had, you know, there were other guys in the league, like Tim Raines might steal you 50 or 60, but not hundred, you know, he'd just be so far ahead. So anyway, that's you know, a little, a little uh, off topic there, but it, yeah. it, it goes to that, the point that stealing bases has just become a, a much uh, rarer uh, commodity in, in fantasy baseball. And so that makes it more valuable when you can get it. Hey, we don't got to limit ourselves to just fantasy talk, Scott. <laughs> we could go all over. Yeah. Because yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of a correction with, with the uh, advanced analytics, because I think that world series with Blake Snell getting taken out. I, I think we might see a correction. I think uh, maybe analytics has gone too far in one direction. And then maybe we put a little bit more feel and just the eye test part of the game more into how we evaluate baseball. So hopefully there's more of a correction, like you were saying before as well. I think I'm going to go more pitchers this year because I think I could just find better positional players on the waiver wire. A guy like Ian Happ, he was just sitting there on the waiver wire. Donovan Solano, I dropped Eduardo Escobar for that guy because Solano was killing (laughs) it with the Giants. So I think there's just easier ways to find dudes off the waiver wire as a positional player as opposed to a starting pitcher. But Scott Conlon and I will continue that conversation in a second and we'll bring Zach Buchanan on the pod to discuss Kevin Ginkle and what he has to do in the 2021 season. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because we have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, the Churro Puff Bar versus Cookies and Cream. And this one is a no-brainer for me. If you love Oreos like I do, you gotta ride with the Cookies and Cream because that thing is freaking phenomenal. Now, if you want to vote, go to BuiltBar.com or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember, use that promo code LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order. That is LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar.
right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation with Scott Cullen and Zach Buchanan. One last question I got for you, Scott. Yep. We got, you know, us at Locked On Baseball, we got a fantasy baseball league going and we have a few more spots open. So we, I want to know, do you want to be a part of our fantasy? Oh, league? I'm in. I'm in. Have he uh, hit me up for it? And now I, I'm not organized enough to have signed up or anything, but I, I, I said I'm in. So I have to... I have to go in and get my email and, and <laughs> figure it out. But I, I, I agreed to to do this and, you know, and get my brains beat in uh, by the rest of the locked on group. No, no worries. I'm not, I'm like the least <laughs> advanced analytics guy among the locked on group. So they'll probably destroy me <laughs> in that kind of, in that kind of stuff, honestly, but Scott, thanks for hopping on the pod today as always. And where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can check me out at uh, locked on fantasy MLB, I guess L O underscore fantasy MLB on Twitter. Uh, and if you just want to hit up my account on Twitter, it's easier to find me there at by Scott Cullen. Uh, and so yeah, I'm firing out uh, previews fast and furious here as we uh, get ready for the season. So thanks a lot for having me along. Yeah, no problem. Go check out Scott's episode where he breaks down the D-back season preview on their fantasy prospects. Scott, thanks for hopping on once again, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, what was some of the issues with Ginkle and what are they trying to work on with him? Because coming off 2019, he, he was, you know, dynamite for the D-backs in 2019, and then it all kind of crumbled in 2020. So what are they just trying to do with him right now? The issue with him was just fastball command. I mean, he was just leaving too many pitches over the plate or too many pitches off the plate where they weren't competitive. Um, you cannot get by in this league if you're not hitting the corners with your fastball. These hitters are too good to hit it when it's over the middle. They're not going to miss it. And they're not going to swing and miss at a fastball way off the plate. Um, they can they can spot that stuff. So it, it's all about locking in fastball command with him. Okay, so we got questions with the center field. We got questions about the fifth starter. We got questions about the closer. So what are your expectations for this team entering 2021? I'm a little bit pessimistic about the team. I think it will probably end up with, uh, I think they'll probably end up with a similar record that they always end up with. They'll be fighting near the end, but they'll always come up short. So what do you think about the team? I think they're probably going to be closer to a 500 team than a, a team with a real playoff chance. I don't, I don't think your view is unreasonable. Um, I think they will be better than they were a year ago, which is like the big question, right? Like, mm -hmm. are, are they really that bad? No, they're not really that bad. There are too many proven major leaguers on this club for them to be that bad again. But are they good enough to hang with the Dodgers and the Padres in this division? I don't know about that. Um, that's going to take a lot of things going well for them um, to basically compete with two rosters that are just overall top to bottom way better than theirs. I mean, you just comparing rotations between the Diamondbacks and those other two teams. I mean, it's, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for the, for San Diego and Los Angeles. Um, could they compete for a wild card spot? I think it's possible. I mean, two years ago when they had finished with 85 wins, they, they pushed themselves into the wild card mix in the very uh, kind of the final couple of weeks of the season. And then they had a skid and fell out of it. Um, that's, I don't think that's unreasonable for that to happen again. But compared to two years ago, there are now two juggernauts in the division that you have to play 19 times a year instead of one. Uh, and so that's going to make it all the more difficult. There, you, know, you look around the, the NL, and there are other good teams that figure to be in the wildcard mix. So the odds are really heavily against them. Um, I, would, I don't think that it's impossible. They have a lot of good players, um, but I think it's improbable. 
Yeah, and somehow the Giants were, I think they have the worst rotation in the NL West, but somehow they were pretty competitive last year. So if they're feisty again this year, that's just one more team that the D-backs have to battle with. And you mentioned Dodgers and Padres. We've seen their offseason moves. Blake Snell, you Darvish going to the Padres. Uh, uh, who am I? Why am I blanking on his name? Trevor Bauer. That's who it is going to the Dodgers. So they got some real star power in their rotation. And there was already a lot of star power in both of those cities. So right now on paper, heading into 2021, do you think the Padres have enough to dethrone the Dodgers in the NL West? Um, so, okay. There's like two different answers to this question. Like, do they have enough so that it's possible? Yes, absolutely. They've got a ton of good players. They've got a superstar at shortstop. Um, they've got an incredible rotation. If you're asking me to pick who's going to win, I'm going to pick the Dodgers until someone proves me wrong. They've won it every year since 2013. They're coming off the World Series where they brought every notable player back, including and then added a Cy Young winner in Trevor Bauer. So until someone beats them, they're the king. Uh, the Padres are certainly capable of doing it. Um, their roster is if they don't have the best roster in the in the NL or maybe even the major leagues, they have the second best. Um, so it's going to be really fun to watch. Maybe not for Diamondbacks fans, but it's going to be fun to watch those teams to two teams go at it. But I'm going to take the Dodgers until someone knocks them off. Yeah, and I'll probably agree with you on that one. Uh, their rotation, I think just the depth of it, when you still have Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, they don't even crack your starting rotation. I mean, those guys would easily be the probably the fourth and fifth starter, probably the third and fourth starter in this D-backs rotation. So it's pretty crazy to see the amount of talent both of those rosters have, and they're both so loaded at almost every position. I'll probably go with Dodgers over the Padres right now, but by the end of 2021, we might be singing a, a different tune, honestly. Zach, where can the Locked On listeners find you? They can find me at The Athletic, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And they can find me on Twitter at, at ZHBuchanan. Zach, thanks for hopping on today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for this edition of the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast. And remember, we're covering everything you need to know about the D-backs, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Burskowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy and enjoy your weekend and come back next week for more Locked On Diamondbacks news coverage and insight because it's your team every day. Deuces!